We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. I appreciate you tuning in. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Today, we're going to talk about the 49ers beating the ever living crap out of the Dallas Cowboys on national television, primetime Sunday night football to the tune of 42 to 10. Blowout, ass kicking, slobber knocker, shout out to JR, whatever you want to call this matchup, that's what it was. The only thing it wasn't was competitive. The 49ers were the better team in every way, shape, or form at every single position. It was an uh, an unbelievable matchup for the 49ers. It was... Oh, man. Um, Not competitive in the slightest. At no point in the game did this ever seem competitive. The 49ers were leading 21 to 10 going into halftime. And by the end of the game, they had 42 and the Dallas Cowboys still had 10. I was trying to write the studs and duds portion of this podcast. And I pretty much just decided that, you know what I'm going to do for that segment? I'm just going to pull up the 49ers roster and start running down the list. Because it was one of those matchups where everybody got a little piece of the pie. Even Mish Wisnowski was showing off during the one or two times they had to punt. Mitch Wisnowski punted four times, and two of them were inside the 20. And I think both of those were inside the five, if not one of them was inside the five, and the other was inside the 10. So even Mitch Wisnowski was getting in on the action. Just an unbelievable game. Now look. One thing I'll say is, you know, when I first took took a small trip, oh, shut up, computer. I don't need I don't need your Windows Defender summary because all of the defense in the NFL right now currently resides in Santa Clara. We'll get to that. When when I took my turn towards the land of 49ers media, when I started writing, when I started, you know, 
writing for Niner Noise and then Niner's Wire and, you know, Chris Biederman of then Niner's Wire, now Candlestick Chronicles podcast and the Sacramento Bee kind of took me under his wing, brought me to my first practices, brought me in the locker room for the first time, you know, got me my first credential. And, uh, and then, I, you know, I eventually got to the point where I can get them just on my own accord. When you do that and you start to go down that route, you want that route, you understand right out the gate that whatever fandom that got you into this mess, you have to leave at the door. You can't be a, uh, a member of the 49ers media or you shouldn't be and be overly biased. Now I will tell you this, most media members that cover the 49ers as their day jobs are 49ers fans. They, that's usually what kind of steered them in that direction. Um, but they're all professionals and they all know they have to pretty much put that at, you know, leave that at the door, except for a couple obvious ones that you could probably name yourself. But tonight going into this Cowboys game was the first time I've ever watched. I've watched a 49ers game in probably four or five years, even their NFC championship games, even their Super Bowl game where I was like, Oh yeah, this is this is it. Now I, I know that might sound a little disingenuous when it comes to you know even their Super Bowls. I, it was it's just different. You know, it's different. It's 49ers Cowboys. There's so much history behind it. It's such a timeless rivalry, especially the way that rivalry has kicked back into gear over the past few years. It's the first 49ers game I've watched in quite some time where I just kind of had the wiggles going in the game. Like, damn, what are we about to see? What are the 49ers about to be in for? And uh it did not it did not disappoint whatsoever. I want to lead off with Kyle Shanahan's only injury update of the game, and that was that starting left guard Aaron Banks, um, who left the game with a bicep injury. All Kyle Shanahan could say was that it was a higher an injury that was higher up on the bicep. Uh, he said the lower ones are the ones that are typically worse. They don't know if it's a strain, pull, or a tear. But if if he could sound positive about an injury, he sounded positive. That's all I could really give you at this point. You know, there's also a part of me that thinks when you when you hear about upper bicep, you're also thinking, you know, did he does he have a tear in his chest? Um, but again, none of that has been reported. Kyle Shanahan didn't seem like it was too serious, but he's not a doctor. Obviously, there's going to be tests done overnight and tomorrow morning, and we'll see where that goes because uh, that would be a significant loss. Aaron Banks has been having a solid season, came on strong last year. He's their starting left guard, um, and we'll see where that goes. And and at this point, like, I got to the point where I'm taking my notes. I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Like, <laughs> I guess the appropriate place to start would be with quarterback Brock Purdy because there were so many people around the NFL that felt like this matchup was finally his chance to prove how real he is. And and to me, I'd already, you've, you've heard me talk about it. I felt like he'd already done that. The fact that he'd never lost a regular season game. The only game that he had lost period was a game in which he, uh, he tore, you know, he tore a muscle in his elbow and now he's back from that. And everything, every logical thing, you know, about football, especially with a quarterback coming off an, uh, a season ending injury to his elbow in his throwing arm, being insanely inexperienced and then coming back from that injury the next year, you're saying, okay, the NFL's got some tape. There's almost no chance that he doesn't regress a little bit. And he has bucked all conventional wisdom in coming out this season and looking better than he did last year. 
there's there's nothing about Brock Purdy's game that doesn't look better than last year. I mean, I could I'm sure there's there's statistics all over the place to back that up. But if Christian McCaffrey is trailing anybody for MVP, because I do believe that McCaffrey should be getting legitimate MVP consideration, if he's trailing anybody, it's Brock Purdy. And I mean that, you know, in in true form because Purdy make th- made throws tonight against one of the NFL's best defenses, most of which crowned them as the best defense that were beyond contestation. Like there was no scheme to the, some of them. I'm not saying all of the throws were this way, but there some of these throws. There was no scheme to them. There was no taking the easy. There was no dink and dunk. There was no being handed these plays by Kyle Shanahan. Some of these plays and throws tonight were 100% the creation from Brock Purdy's skill. The first touchdown of the game, I believe it was the first touchdown, was Brock Purdy bailing out of a collapsing pocket, darting down the right side towards the line of scrimmage, and finding a, a, a George Kittle who had come open towards the middle of the end zone on what looked like maybe like some type of post route. I don't know how much scrambling Kittle did or didn't do, but Purdy is elevating Kyle Shanahan's offense. He's making it better. He's not taking just what Kyle Shanahan's offense will give him and riding that into the sunset. Purdy is making that entire unit better, and there's no denying it with the fact that the 49ers have scored 30-plus points a game, I think, in nine regular season games. I saw on Twitter. I can't remember where I saw it on. So, you know, I apologize if I'm taking anybody's, like, highly researched stat. You know, you see so much on Twitter. But there were only a few other quarterbacks that have ever had that kind of regular season success. And it, it, all of them were like the goats of quarterbacking. I know that Kurt Warner's name was on there. Tom Brady's name was on there. And then it was Brock Purdy. I think Peyton Manning was the other one. And it's not hyperbole to say that Brock Purdy has earned his place on that statistic. Nothing of what he did tonight was by chance. The dude is just good. And it defies all conventional logic that the absolute last pick of the draft could be this good, but George Kittle said it in the press conference. Purdy played a ton of college football. And at one point, I think coming off his junior year, Purdy was considered one of the top quarterbacks in the draft. But whatever he did as a senior didn't impress people enough, didn't grow enough. His hands didn't grow enough. His body didn't grow enough. I don't know. But he kind of, that obviously fell off. And he went from being considered a top quarterback in the draft to being drafted with the absolute last pick. And if you go, what's funny is if you go back and watch college Brock Purdy's college highlights, I don't give a shit if they're highlights. You don't have to watch his film and break down every play. What happened happened. The the stuff you see looks like the stuff you're seeing now. And so Purdy defies all wisdom is the last pick of the draft and has now been inserted into the starting offense and does not look out of place, doesn't look overmatched at times, looked bored and completed. of his passes tonight against the Dallas defense for 252 yards and four touchdowns for a 144 quarterback rating. I think perfect is 153 or 156.3. Interesting note, if you really want like a barometer on how Brock Purdy played tonight, Dak Prescott threw the exact same number of passes, completed three less, 
for 153 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. So whatever your preconceived notions were about where Purdy ranks among quarterbacks, with every week he's working his way up. If you told me Purdy was a top 10 quarterback now, after what we've seen, I, I, I've got no argument for you. He just looks that cool. And if you can do it against a defense like Dallas's, then you can do it against anybody. It's, that's just the way it is. There's just no part of this that is by accident anymore. The film is out there. The, the tape is out there. The NFL, NFL's defenses that we've known react incredibly fast to anything the NFL has to, has to show them. And yet here they are being cut into pieces by Brock Purdy. Next Gen Stacks tweeted Brock Purdy through all four of his touchdown passes from outside the, the tackle box. The most in a game in the Next Gen Stats era. Purdy completed seven of 10 passes over 10 air yards for 166 yards and three touchdowns. He leads the NFL in completion percentage on such passes. So on passes over 10 air yards, Brock Purdy leads the NFL in completion percentage with 72%. Those are just on the passes that travel over 10 yards. You know, the, the hard ones. I don't know what else needs to be said about this man. I, I just, maybe nothing else needs to be said. But it's pretty unbelievable. Adam Schefter, after being tweeted during the game, by the way, probably halfway through the fourth quarter, Adam Schefter tweeted, after beating the Cowboys, the 49ers have now won 14 consecutive regular season games dating back to week eight of 2022, the NFL's longest active win streak and the second longest regular season win streak in franchise history. It is one win short of the 15 straight games that San Francisco won from week, from the week 12 of the 1989 season to week 10 of the 1990 season. The 49ers can tie their franchise record Sunday in week six at Cleveland. And the, one of the first comments is there's 10 minutes left in the game. <laughs> So, pretty unbelievable. It, it really was pretty unbelievable what, what we saw this evening. Uh, no one expected it. I think even your boy himself thought this was going to be a scrap. Um, but I think at this point, I'm done being surprised by the 49ers. I think, I think they are who we think they are at this point. I don't think that – now, that doesn't mean they can't get got. Everybody knows that. It's the NFL, and any given, any given Sunday truly applies. But I think the 49ers, who are who we think they are, I think they're the NFL's best team, and I think there's not a team in this league that's looking forward to playing them. And I think I, I think one of my tweets that I fired off at some point during the game was, if you listen carefully, you can hear the respect being put on Brock Purdy's name. It's It's there. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you had Mika Parsons on, uh, I think it was Micah Parsons, who was essentially rendered useless in this game. We'll get into that. Um, talking about before the leading up to the game that he was the top 15 quarterback. And we broke it down quarterback by quarterback, and it wasn't far off. I think I had him as, you know, like 15 to 13, somewhere in there. And I think that's only climbing. But um, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. I mean, you know... You know what really stood out to me is the series 
I want to say it was like their their fourth touchdown drive. I wish I had it all locked up as far as like the playlist and every single you know play from that drive. I mean, I could try and pull a fast one and just find it really really quick. It's not that hard because all you have to do is look for the all capital words touchdown. I think this is it right here. There's that. There should be a penalty in here. Holding on Burford. That's it. Okay, so this is the drive. I don't even need the playlist. I don't know why I'm pulling it up. But to start this drive, Purdy hit Ayuk over the middle for 23 yards, and it was a play that was thrown. It was a throw that was absolutely perfect right over the top of the hands of an outstretched defender. Couldn't have been any better. If the guy would have jumped an inch shorter, he would have got his hand on the ball, but he didn't. Brandon Ayuk caught it. 23-yard game. Then a few plays later, Brock Purdy stands in a collapsing pocket. I was looking at it going, man, he looks awfully calm in a pocket that is about to collapse on him. And he just, whoop, throws the ball up, deep left sideline, falls directly into the hands of Brandon Ayuk, who is running like uh, what looked like at that point, it was almost like in a location where a corner route would be. Drops right in the bucket for 40 yards. Brandon Ayuk got some yards after the catch. That place wiped out by a holding penalty on Spencer Burford. So, I mean, that is incredibly deflating, you know, to, to make a throw like that and watch 40 yards, not even not just 40 yards be taken off the field, 50 yards be taken off the field because not only do those 40 count anymore, but you've got to go back 10 more. And so how does Brock Purdy answer that? He fires an outstanding, the very next play, fires a pass over the middle to Debo Samuel, who catches it and turns up field for another 42 yards. So he had a 40-yard completion wiped out, had 10 yards tacked on it, and then stacks on another 42-yard completion to Debo Samuel. That is the type of shit that NFL teams spend decades looking for. And it, this doesn't mean that in the end, Brock Purdy is going to end up being him, even though he already looks like him. That two-play series is something that NFL teams absolutely crave and will lie, cheat, and steal to get. A quarterback that can stand in a collapsing pocket, throw it 40 yards downfield into the bread bucket of Brandon Ayuk, watch that play get called back to a what I thought was a relatively ticky-tack penalty and then respond with another 42-yard completion to Debo Samuel. You just don't get that shit very often, folks. That stuff doesn't just... You know, like, I was was absolutely sold on Jimmy Garoppolo when he first showed up. But it wasn't because of plays like that. Jimmy Garoppolo just seemed to be in... When he first took over for the 49ers in that end of 2017, and he marched the... The, the offense down the field against the Titans, which were uh, a Titan at the time, uh, to beat him in the last little drive of the game. And everybody's like, damn, this dude's for real. It wasn't like this. Like, to to make the throws that Purdy's making and to just make it look as effortless as he's making, like he was always meant to be in this offense, is just straight up unbelievable. One of the most overused words in the NFL. But it truly is. All the circumstances that have brought us to this point against a defense that is good that's as good as Dallas's, with freaking Stephon Gilmore in coverage, and he just feeds it right back to Debo Samuel and says, "All right, you want to take away that one? I'll give you another one." Hits Kyle Uzcheck for seven yards on the next play. Debo Samuel stuffed for one yard on the next play, 
And then what do they do? They run a, 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 a hard play action fake, I believe. And Purdy just lost it straight over the entire defense to, to hit George Kittle for the touchdown over the middle. That is demoralizing. The 49ers went up. That was in the start of the third quarter. The 49ers took a 28 to 10 lead and never let their foot off the gas. But as a defense, as a team, as a league, to see that series, to watch that series and how it unfolds. Penalty on Trent Williams, false start, first and 15. Okay, let me hit Brandon Ayuk for 23 yards. Couple plays later. All right, I'm going to hit Brandon Ayuk again for 40 yards. Oh, we're coming back 50 yards. Okay. Well, cool. I'm going to hit Debo Samuel for 42. Then I'm going to hit Kyle Juszczyk. And then I'm going to hit George Kittle for a touchdown. That is putting the league on notice. They are all going to look at that series right there and says, and say, this guy is for real. He's the real deal, as his own head coach said. And without going down the road, that is Trey Lance and how he got here and why he got here and why he was sent, sent packing to the Cowboys. Everything you've seen from Purdy has validated that decision. It's just... It's just hard to believe at this point. It's hard to believe. And you just start going down the stats. Freaking Jordan Mason got 10 carries, racked up 69 yards. Nice. That's 6.9 yards a carry. Nine points. Put that one together. Christian McCaffrey, the focus of the, the clear focus of the Dallas defense, and rightfully so, had 19 carries for 51 yards. That's only 2.7 yards a carry. But here's what you're starting to notice about Christian McCaffrey. That man is demanding the attention of the defense, and he is drawing every single hit a defense can legally get away with, plus the ones they can't. On the very first play of the game, McCaffrey got face-masked out of his mind, no pun intended, and and as he's walking back to the huddle, it's like adjusting his neck because a player grabbed his face mask and ripped it so hard to the side that you're wondering if he's okay. It's not just your average face mask. Not too much longer, and this partly to the fault of Brock Purdy for throwing what we'd call a hospital wall. Christian McCaffrey caught a pass um, or dropped the pass. I don't even know if he ever officially caught it and was immediately met with helmet-to-helmet contact from a Dallas linebacker coming over the middle. I believe it was linebacker. Flagged, rightfully so. But even you go back and watch that game and every traditional tackle McCaffrey had, there was at least one or two additional Dallas defenders hitting him as he went down to the ground and some hitting him even after he was on the ground. NFL teams are going to start throwing the, the entire book at Christian McCaffrey, even when it borders on dirty. So you got to watch out for that. Keep an eye on it because it's interesting. I noticed it this game more so than I've noticed it in the past, and I'm going to keep an eye on it. The, the, the 49ers receiving line is glorious. George Kittle had three catches for three yards. Three yards. Three catches for three touchdowns and 67 yards. Purdy hit Ayuk for four catches and 58 yards. Debo Samuel, three catches, 55 yards. Christian McCaffrey, two catches, 27 yards. Kyle Juszczyk, four catches, 26 yards. Dwan Jennings, one catch for 19 yards. Even Ray Ray McLeod had a catch for one yard. 
Everybody's getting in on the action. Or uh, Kittle looked like in vintage form, and you can't, you know, you can't, can't get through this pod without talking about the reverse flea flicker that went to CMC, that went to per, uh, to Debo, then was flicked back to Purdy, who threw a, an absolute dot to Kittle down the right sideline for a touchdown. And then you've got Kittle's play coming open while Brock Purdy was scrambling to to lead off the 49ers, 42 points. And then you've got the one that I was just talking about to close out what was might have been Brock Purdy's most impressive drive as a starting quarterback, catching that uh, little pass up and over the Dallas defense. Kind of like a little, uh, little fadeaway from Brock Purdy, if you will. Wasn't a flawless performance for the offense, and that's what's scary. The 49ers were just a shred away from putting up 49 points because McCaffrey was doing McCaffrey things, had broken through down the middle, was driving towards the goal line, tanked over the top of Jordan Lewis, and then as he came down, lost control of the ball, and the ball basically just fell. Him and Jordan Lewis were like, with McCaffrey on top, were almost making like a a yin-yang symbol. You know, they were like intertwined still as – as McCaffrey was running him over and he lost control of the ball and it just fell straight into Jordan Lewis's red basket. And all he had to do was grip. So that was an unfortunate turn of events for McCaffrey. I don't think anybody is ridiculing him much and no one more than himself, but the 49ers by all intents and purposes should have dropped 49 on, on the Cowboys, which would have been perfectly quaint, but I don't, like I said, I don't think anybody's complaining. The offense was absolutely flawless outside of what we just got done talking about. Let's run down the stats. I mean, you can, this tells the story right here. 37 minutes of, of possession time for the 49ers compared to the Dallas Cowboys 22. And that was their own fault as much as anything. And then we'll get into the 49ers defense. 49ers had 25 first downs. Dallas had eight. 49ers are 6 of 11 on third down. Dallas was 4 of 11. The 49ers had 421 yards of total offense. Dallas had 197. 67 offensive plays to 49. 6.3 yards of play to Dallas' 4. 170 yards rushing to Dallas' 57. 251 yards passing to Dallas' 140. One turnover to Dallas' 4. The only thing that wasn't in the 49ers' favor was the punting averages. 49ers scored six touchdowns. Dallas scored one on third down on a deep throw in which Isaiah Oliver got beat by by Turpin. That was all the Dallas Cowboys could muster. Dominant. 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 Not much more to say about the offense other than that just dominant in every way, shape, or form, and Brock Purdy is him. Is him. And then you move over to the defense. They're, they're, the defensive stat sheet, the defensive box score looks like someone playing a game of Minesweeper. Cash in on that reference. Google it. YouTube it for you, you younger folks. Minesweeper. Fred Warner with what with what might have been the game of his life. Let me go down here and find uh, Nick Wagner's statistic. Nick Wagner comes up a lot on this pod. Need to get him on here. 
Nick Wagner said linebacker Fred Warner tonight, a sack, a forced fumble, an interception. He's the first Niner since Navarro Bowman in 2013 to do that. My little sister, Madison Danielle, sent me a picture of Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw right next to, or right on top of, Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis. And all I sent back was that gif of Pam from the office saying, they're the same picture. And I do believe that Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw have earned that respect. Both of them were absolutely on fire tonight. Statistically speaking, which that doesn't paint the story, between two, both of them, you had 13 combined tackles, two sacks, two quarterback hits, three tackles for loss, Fred Warner's interception, both of them had a pass breakup. Fred Warner's forced fumble that was right at the sideline that Yamador Lenore accidentally, as the ball came out, he immediately kicked it like down the sideline. Otherwise, it would have gone out of bounds, which gave the 49ers defense time. I can't remember who recovered it. That's on me. Uh, actually, I've got it right here. Kevin Givens. From the Minesweeper stat sheet. Recovered it right as it was about to go out of bounds. Immediately got possession of it. Didn't bobble it. If he would have bobbled it in his arms, they would have called it out of bounds and given it back to the Cowboys. He didn't. He just immediately grabbed it. And that was recovered by the 49ers. Diamondor Lenore had a pass breakup late in the game. Perfectly played, which bounced right up into the hands of Fred Warner, who returned it for a little bit of yak. Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw just on fire. Both had a sack. Uh, both had a pass breakup. Fred Warner added the interception and the forced fumble. Dre Greenlaw had an extra tackle for loss. Fred Warner's sack, by the way. Dak Prescott rolled out to the left. Fred Warner broke off and, and went right at him. Dak Prescott pump faked. Fred Warner jumped to keep him from throwing the ball, came down, and still got the sack. Dak Prescott couldn't, couldn't figure out a way to take advantage of the fact that Warner was airborne for a little bit. Warner came down and immediately sacked him. It was impressive. It was athletic. It was nuts. 49ers linebackers altogether. Oren Burks added a uh, – Oren Burks technically a safety. I always get him confused with somebody else. Let me find it. Oren Burks, you're right here, linebacker. Okay, there's a safety the 49ers have that I always get him confused with. and I'm not really worried about it right now because we're in the middle of potting. Defensive stat sheet just lit up. This was the game you were hoping the 49ers defense was going to have. You were hoping the 49ers defensive front was going to have. The fact that they shared this this sack with Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead is a little disingenuous in my opinion. You watch that play, and Nick Bosa had clearly already gotten Dak Prescott, and it, and it was wrapped him up by the legs, and then uh, Eric Armstead came along and kind of finished it up. Maybe, maybe I need to, uh, I need to check that again because it seemed like it was clearly Nick's. So right now, Bosa has a sack and a half on the season, and I think that was Armstead's first contribution in the sack column, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Kevin Gibbons got, got Kevin Givens got himself a sack later in the game. Just an, an incredible performance. Deshaun Gibson added his first interception of the season on uh, on an errant Dak Prescott deep throw that he perfectly reeled in. Um, and then you've got Oren Burks. I mean, the 49ers put up put in backup defenders and still intercepted Dak Prescott, who had the hat trick of interceptions against the 49ers, one by Warner, one by Burks, and one by Gibson. Dominant, dominant performance. Fred Warner said after the game that he he begrudgingly admitted that he heard the noise of how good the Dallas defense was. 
and that he wanted to make sure that the 49ers defense was considered the better group by the end of the night. Nick Bosa was asked, is there anything that Fred Warner can't do? And Nick Bosa said, nope, he's the best in the world, and it's not even close. Fred Warner showed up to his press conference with a big old shit-eating grin on his face, and he said, before he was even asked a question, he says, that ain't half bad right there. That ain't half bad. Kyle Shanahan probably had the quote of the night, though, and this couldn't be more true with, with these 49ers. He said, 5-0 feels good, but it means nothing unless you get to, it gets to the end. It reminded me of Billy Bean in the movie Moneyball, and he says, look, unless you win the last game of the season, nobody gives a shit. And that really is the case for this 49ers team. That looks like the sky's the limit. They look like Super Bowl favorites. They look dominant. They're scoring a ridiculous amount of points. Their quarterback is on fire. They've got playmakers all over the field. Their defense is firing on all cylinders. It really is Super Bowl old bust for this 49ers team. It has to be. It just, it has to be. Let me see what else I've got on, on the, uh, in the, you know, and the, the thing I put on here that Kyle Shanahan needs to tell the 49ers, and, but I don't, these are adults playing football. I don't necessarily think he has to tell the 49ers this, but if I were in that locker room, what I'm telling the 49ers is look, it is all gas and no breaks. The Robert Sala special from here on out. We are going to get everybody's absolute best from here until our last game of the season, whenever that is. So celebrate this win for 24 hours, but after that, we've got to go to work because every team is going to be throwing the absolute book at us. And I don't care if it's the Seahawks, the Rams, the Cardinals, whatever team you can think up with. The Panthers, the Patriots, they don't play them. But the emphasis would be, I don't care what team it is, you're going to get their best. You better be ready to roll week in and week out because that's what's going to happen with the 5-0 49ers. Is, uh, they're going to they're gonna give every, everybody's best shot from here on out, and, uh, and I don't necessarily think they mind that. The 49ers have that stat going for them. I mean, I don't know if it's still going, but every team the 49ers play, they lose the week after. And I, 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 I mean, we'd have to check what's happened this season. Has every team the 49ers played lost afterwards? Let's see. Let me see if I could just see it from here. Steelers, I think they lost the next week, didn't they? I don't know. The Rams haven't won much. The Giants haven't won much. The Cardinals haven't won one since. So it depends on what the Cowboys... I mean, I think every team that's played the 49ers this year has also lost, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit questionable on the Steelers. I don't want to waste a bunch of time on that. My prize picks. I didn't hit on my prize picks again, damn it. I felt pretty good about this this one. I had Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk did go more than 55 receiving yards. I had Purdy throwing for less than 243 yards. And he threw for 252. So I was, I was close. And then I had Tony Pollard running for more than 56 rushing yards. And he, and he was held to 29. Far and away, his lowest total of the year. I think even I think he'd have like seventy yards in a couple games and one hundred and twelve yards in another game. So of course, and that that's what I get for even putting the slightest amount of disrespect on the 49ers defense. But despite the facts that your boy is taken in the chin by Prize Picks, 
I, I don't let that dissuade you from just how how fun making these entries on Price Picks is. If you don't know what Price Picks is, it's daily fantasy sports. It's just you and the numbers. You're picking two to six players. You're picking more or less, and you're watching the winnings roll in. Unless you're me, maybe you're not watching them roll in as much, but I have one a couple times. Okay, we're keeping ourselves afloat. I like prize picks because it's simple. It's easy to play. You can make an entry and submit it in like less than a minute. You, there's five minutes before a game. You can jump on prize picks and put in an entry and be ready to roll. But if you're going to play, which you need to because it's fun, Go to pricepicks.com slash gold and use promo code gold. And what they're going to do is if you put in anything up to $100, they're going to match that. Again, that's pricepicks.com slash gold, code gold, and they're going to match any deposit up to 100 bucks. Okay. Jump on the price picks bandwagon. Do, met- do better than me and rub it in on Twitter slash X, and I will talk about it on the pod. Do it. Do it. Price fix, do it. All right. I think it's, I I don't really think I need to get into studs and duds. We've kind of already talked about it. Brock Purdy, Fred Warner, Trey Greenlaw, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Deshaun Gibson, Talano Hufunga. You just, I mean, pick a player. (laughs) Pick, Pick a player. Brandon Allen, third string emergency quarterback, stud, absolute stud. So, I mean, you get it. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump into your your freaking takeaways. We're going to jump into your freaking freaking takeaways. The prize picks post-game Twitter takeaways. I need an echo. I need an echo for that one. All right, let's go find it. We've got 21 replies on here. And as always, we are going to get to every single freaking one. So I can do what I want. Go down to the bottom. We're starting for the bottom. All right. We're starting off with some chocolate lines. The second, the past two Cowboys games, both playoffs, the 49ers offensive line had no answer for the pass rush for the majority of those games. Tonight, the offensive line stymied the pass rush and gave Brock plenty of time to survey and deliver. Offensive line, in my opinion, was the unit of the game. I love that as a first takeaway because if you go back to my preview pod, my biggest concern was the 49ers offensive line, namely the right side of the offensive line against whatever the the Cowboys defense wanted to throw at it. And then you go back and look at this game and the Cowboys defense did almost nothing. Their one sack wasn't even from a defensive lineman. Mika Parsons was held to four total tackles and that's it. There was some tweet I saw that this was the least amount of pressures he's had in like eight games. They had five tackles for loss and one two quarterback hits. The vaunted Dallas defense was completely shut down as highlighted by Chocolate Lions the second. And I like that. It goes directly against what I thought we were going to see. And I think what a lot of people thought we were going to see. I thought a lot, I think a lot of people thought we were going to see this offensive line kind of struggle to contain what the Cowboys were calling, coming with. And they did not. They threw everything at that defensive line, whether it was pulls, counters, you know, traps, freaking they showed a montage of how much Mika Parsons was just getting battered in that game, knocked around by Juszczyk and Williams and, and and either guard pulling and and just double teams and triple teams. And it was the, 
this showed a close up of Michael Parsons at one point, and the man just looks straight up defeated, and no one blames him. I think that I think that if if anything, 49ers fans should sort of appreciate what Miko Parsons brings to the game. He's like he's Dallas's Nick Bosa. He's in the same tier as Nick Bosa. And he was given Purdy respect well before the two teams matched up tonight. So to see him just absolutely in the dirt, you know, with his head pointed at the grass was just something you don't see often. And the 49ers defense found a way to uh, to defeat him. Straight up. Brian M. said, the defense showed what they can do when the secondary challenges the wide receivers. It did seem like the, the 49ers corners were much more aggressive. And none of the throws were these easy completions with tons of cushions sitting in front of them that we kind of come to expect. There were a few open throws to receivers. There was very little after yards after the catch to be had. I think CeeDee Lamb had, had just pretty much one, and that was it. They really did seem like they were giving the 49ers, excuse me, the Cowboys receivers, everything they can handle. And Dak Prescott just never got comfortable enough to deliver the ball in these tightly contested windows that the 49ers defense were opening up. It really was, uh, it really was seemed, it really did seem like a blueprint moving forward for the 49ers defense. And however they played that, however they mapped that game out and whatever they did differently with the secondary, it worked because Dallas's receivers are no joke, but they really had nothing there. Rodney Lee Redburn says A plus play calling from Kyle. I can't even if you had paid me a thousand dollars right now to think of a bad play call for Kyle Shanahan, I really wouldn't be able to do it. There were a couple of just decisions where you know you're throwing on like third and two and you're like, hey, you're kind of on this drive, you're averaging like four or five yards of carry. Why throw on that situation? But Kyle Shanahan called a masterpiece of a game. So many of those receivers were running open against a talented Dallas defense. It just I mean, you can give everybody an A-plus in this game because it really was that impressive. Darren says, when Purdy hit Ayuk for the big play when it was called back for the hold, then hit Debo way down the field on the very next play, game was over. Purdy and Kyle will just keep keep attacking, and it's beautiful. Exactly what I said. Darren and I are on the same freaking page. High five, Darren. I agree. To, to watch that play really was like, Holy shit, this is for real. Because again, you don't just get a 50-yard play or a 40-yard play called back and just you don't just usually bounce back like that. And Purdy and the 49ers did, and that's that's different. That's putting the nail in the coffin and then closing it shut with like a freaking jackhammer. Like we're not just ending this game. We're fucking ending this game. Like, excuse my French, take the kids, tell them it's time for bed or, or tell them to, you know, to, to head back into the other room to play. We're cooking here. Alec Hudson said the cards are the second best team in the NFC East. Did you mean West? I think you did. I'm going to say, I'm going to assume you did. The Cardinals have seemed like, Cardinals have seen like the team that are like the scrappiest, the capable, the team capable of getting they're in last place in the NFC West right now. They're one and four Rams are two and three Seahawks are three and one 49ers are five and zero. Oh. Every time I say five and zero, oh, I just think of Dr. Disrespect. I tweeted it out. Go to my Twitter, 
you're going to find a a tweet that starts with, Yo, Dr. Disrespect. It's a song called The Ace. I'm not going to sing it into the mic. I don't want to max it out. Your boy can sing a little bit. I'm just telling you. But but go to that tweet and click on it and listen to that song because it's all about going 5-0. It's called The Ace from Dr. Disrespect. Who needs to hurry up and put out a damn album, by the way. So, are the Cardinals the best team in the NFC West? Obviously not in the standings, but they seem like they're the scrappiest. Who did they play today that they actually gave a fight? The Cardinals, or the Eagles, right? No, that was the Rams. I don't remember who the Cardinals played today. I'm sorry. But they do seem like the team capable of giving anybody a run for their money. So I think I know what you mean on that. Christopher Christopher Gonzalez, let me slow down, rolled over the overhyped team. Let's hear what the media has to say about this now. 49ers came through with this win. Yeah, it was was dominant, and it will be the talk of the week. What the 49ers just did to the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football will be the top of the week, talk of the week. And so will Brock Purdy. Madison Danielle, also known as Maddie Louder, also my sister. Tonight seemed to solidify that it's the Eagles and the 49ers in competition for the number one spot in our conference. With what we've seen so far from both teams, what do you expect in December 3rd matchup to look like? I think the 49ers would beat the Eagles right now almost as bad as they just beat the Cowboys. If you go look at the Eagles' schedules and the teams they played, week one, a 25-20 win over the Patriots, who just got beat like 31-0 to the Saints. A 34-28 win over the Minnesota Vikings. Now, they're still wins. And wins are wins, guys. I hate that saying. Because they're not. Every win tells a different story. Especially, that's like saying that, you know, the Eagles winning 25-20 over the Patriots is the same as the 49ers beating Dallas 42-10. They beat the Buccaneers 25-11. They beat the Commanders 34-31. to Didn't that game go into overtime? It did. They looked evenly matched against the Rams, who they beat 23-14. So they're 5-0. and Again, Dr. Disrespect. But the 49ers seem miles ahead of what the Eagles... Now, the Eagles aren't a finished product. Neither are the 49ers. It's going to be a while for where these two teams face each other. Man, look at this stretch for the Eagles. Oh. Cowboys by, I mean, shoot, you can even go back to the, I mean, okay, no, we're going back. Jets, I'm not going to, I won't list the Jets among this crew. The Eagles have to play the Dolphins, then they have to play the Commanders, then they have to play the Cowboys, and then they get a bye, then they have to play the Chiefs, and then they have to play the Bills, and then they have to play the 49ers. Like, damn, what a stretch. And then they got to play the Cowboys again. So these two teams are going to be very different by the time they get there. I do think the 49ers are in this form are clearly the better team. And I think they would, they would handle the Eagles pretty convincingly right now, but that could get weird. It's not a divisional matchup, but it's by the way things ended last season. Those two teams are not going to like each other. Chris wall said 42 to 10 with missed opportunities on the field is kind of crazy. It is. We talked about it. I mean, the 49ers could have scored more than 49, but at the very least, we saw Christian McCaffrey at the one-yard line charging forward, which would have given the 49ers, if you just add that, 49 points. So, you know, 
I think the 49ers forced a pretty quick Dallas punt and then and then they scored anyways, but whatever. You get what I'm saying. I get what you're saying, Chris. David Soto, primetime show out letting everybody know. Primetime show out letting everybody know we are for reals. Kittle got some love, and the Eagles game is looking more like a showdown to determine the NFC. What a greatly timed comment after Madison Daniels' comment as well. But it's true. 49ers and Eagles are both 5-0. I do think the 49ers are pretty clearly the uh, the better team, but it's not going to matter until they face each other. And it's certainly not going to matter if they meet each other again in the playoffs. It's, it's, it's one game at a time. JB says eight first downs for a team that everybody said was a legit top two offense. Turns out Dallas played no one and it showed. I mean, the Dallas looked like how they should look against the teams they played. Then again, they got beat by the Cardinals. So maybe that was us getting a little preview of what they really were. And then they what thundered the, 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 the Patriots last week, which we're learning doesn't take much. So yeah, maybe Dallas might be a little fraudulent. We'll see. Maybe it was, what are we going to see from Dak from here on out? The dude threw three interceptions, which is inexcusable in any game. He threw one of them against 49ers backups. Like all of them backups at that point. So yeah, maybe maybe Dallas isn't quite what everybody thought they were. And uh, we'll see. I feel like every, the book is kind of out on Dak. Everybody knows what you're getting with him. Um, and the interceptions are only a matter of time. So we'll see. Clay writes, I live and work in Dallas. Goddamn, is work going to be fun tomorrow? Ain't nobody better than us right now. Uh, I would agree. I don't think there's anybody better than the 49ers currently. I think they are the NFL's best team. I think every other NFL team is it's kind of had their ups and downs, and, and that may come the 49ers' way, especially traveling uh, on a shorter week uh, to go and face a defense like the, the, uh, the, the Browns, but we'll see. Sograz says, this game reminded me of a, the Green Bay game in 2019. We knew we were good. Each game told us how good. Blowouts in primetime against a likely playoff opponent tells me we aren't just top five to six good. We are Super Bowl favorites good. I agree. I don't even really have anything more to add to that. I I, I agree. I think the 49ers are Super Bowl favorites. The Chiefs went, the Chiefs came down to the final possession today against the Vikings. So I'm not even sure if the Chiefs are quite what we think they are or what we're used to thinking they are. But then again, when you've got Patrick Mahomes, it's just, I just would never, like, I'd never really count them out. LBC says, I knew we were good, but this shows that we're flat-out dominant. The Super Bowl is ours for the taking, barring injury to key players. I will knock for you guys. Oh, is unstoppable, and the only time we get stopped is when it's self-inflicted penalties or something. The D is doing what it takes. And even in this game, we saw that they can overcome penalties, like that holding call where Purdy's like, all right, I'll just throw for 40 yards again. I need 20, but I'm just going to throw for 42. Uh, Roberticus Lauderian X. <laughs> I hope we get there, man. I, I mean, Robert Lauder the six is going to be born. I won't be alive to see it, but I'm hoping the uh, the Robert Lauders can get to X. Wouldn't that be badass to, for your name to be Robert Lauder X? Like, damn. If you're not spending the next six hours mainlining highlight videos and dunking on the Cowboys fans in your life, oh, are we even watching the same sport? <laughs> I think that's well said. And it comes with a gif of Fred Warner just pointing at Dak Prescott like uh, like the remember the Titans when he runs to the sideline and points at the, the racist coach. 
it looks just like that. And and I think that's yeah. If you're not if you're not watching this game on repeat, the highlights on YouTube, then uh, then you're missing out on just having an enjoyable evening. I'd say. Jackson says maybe we can just trust the other brother. Maybe we can trust. Maybe we, oh, I'm gonna say it a little differently. There's, there needs to be an emphasis in a word. Maybe we can trust the other running backs on this team. Warner and Greenlaw were flying around. Oliver is underrated. Oliver gave up, gave up the only touchdown of the night, but that doesn't necessarily define his ability. Another solid game by the offensive line. Purdy is him. Yes, he is. And the reason he's talking about the other running backs, and we, we touched on this, um, Jordan Mason had 10 carries for 69 yards and like the absolute you still want to call it putting the nail in the coffin. I think the coffin was already built, nailed down, put underground, had dirt on it. They'd already had the ceremony and maybe like Jordan Mason was like the last guy leaving, making sure like nothing was left behind, making sure to pick up the equipment. That was like what Jordan Mason's touchdown was. It was like, everything's done. The Cowboys are already, already in the ground and he's just got to make sure everything's cleaned up, make sure the ground's nice and flat so the grass can grow over it and the lawnmower doesn't kick up any rocks and throw them at a gravestone. That was what Jordan Mason's last touchdown was, but it was impressive. He had 10 carries for 69 yards, nice, um, and a touchdown. And Ty Davis-Price kind of closed the game out. He had six carries for 21 yards, three and a half yards a carry, and Debo Samuel was like the third-string running back. I wouldn't say third-string. I'm going to correct myself. Jordan Mason had many more carries and looked like the better option running the ball. But even Debo Samuel had five carries for 30 yards. So everybody was getting a piece on it. And it seems like there are options running the ball other than Christian McCaffrey, which is what Jackson is trying to say. Mike McVay says, how about them Niners? What a total domination on all three sides. I have no complaints. The defense was impeccable. Warner is having a year. Love how Kittle has three receptions for three touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey lit it up again, but Mason was a stud. Bring on the Browns. Go Niners. Well said, Mike. Well said. I love the energy. Is Warner, is anybody, can Warner be the defensive player of the year? Is he having that type of season? Is anybody else having that type of season? I know that TJ Watt is, has he kept that pace up? Anyways, Jeffrey K. Lyles, Lyles movie files. So damn fun to say out loud. This was an awesome early birthday present. Happy freaking birthday, Jeffrey K. Lyles. Let's go. Happy birthday. I hope somebody gives you an additional movie file. Since the pain of the 90s, every victory against Dallas and Green Bay is just a little sweeter. This team always keeps answering every goalpost moving question. That's a great point because, and I'm guilty of this. We have to have stuff to talk about on the pod. But every question levied against the 49ers, they keep answering. Namely Brock Purdy, but all of it, all of it. Danger said this was pure domination and somehow our defense is getting, excuse me, even meter next week. And there's a good chance we trade for a corner too. Is there? If you, and I just realized that the 49ers trade for Randy Gregory has not been spoken of on this pod. So if you didn't know, you know now. So the 49ers pass rush is getting a little boost. Just to give you my quick take on that trade. I love it. It was a, a sixth round pick swap. So the 49ers six became a seventh and the Broncos seventh became a sixth. And the 49ers had to pay nothing of Randy Gregor's like $14 million salary other than the vet minimum. And he's, you know, there's, there's, there's talk of character issues. I think that's been kind of well-documented at this point, but he's stepping into the absolute peak of, of his position group. 
a team that's that's considered a Super Bowl favorite. You've got veterans in that room like uh, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, even Nick Bosa. And uh, you've got a, the best defensive line coach in the NFL and Chris Kosurek. If Randy, Randy Gregory can't get along here, he can't get along anywhere. And then he, you know, I doubt he throws away his chance to, uh, to possibly get a ring. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he brings to the table. Matt Lee said, what an unbelievable game. Went up against our biggest test of the year and absolutely destroyed them on prime time. Felt like this was a complete team win. Offense, defense, special teams. This team is such a joy to watch. Let's keep rolling. It is crazy. You know, I feel like 49ers fans have been through the absolute ringer over the last 10 years or so um, in terms of highs and lows. And and Kyle Shanahan has brought with him good times. You know, and again, there even then there's been some lows, but to watch this team be consistently as good as it is, is is pretty damn impressive. Too Fresh said, Victory Monday, hashtag striking gold fam. Just trying to find what other reasons people have to say that Purdy doesn't have it. Minus that throw he had to CMC that got him wrecked. Brock was perfect. Let's keep the gas on the pedal versus the rest of the league, Kyle. I agree, and Brock doesn't have to be perfect. You know, it's he doesn't have to be perfect. He just has to be good. He just has to do enough. And so far, he's like exceeding expectations and exceeding what he needs to do. That's what nobody talks about is the fact that he doesn't even have to be doing what they're doing right now. They're scoring 30 and 40 points a game, but he is, and he's better than he needs to be, which is pretty damn impressive. Last but certainly not least, we've got Omar Fig. That was sick. Owning the Cowboys on primetime where everyone is watching is the best. Kittle, three catches, three touchdowns, the Brock era continues. It's Brocktober, baby. It's Brocktober. All right. I think we've done it. Hopefully I haven't left out anything. I think I covered pretty much everything. Just making sure, you know, I'm kind of just scrolling around, scroll, looking, scrolling. But I think we got it. I appreciate you guys. Man, that was a quick hour. At least in my opinion, it is. I don't know if it is for you guys, but as always, one, check out prizepicks.com slash gold, promo code gold. Uh, I don't even know if I said all that right, but whatever. You get the point. And second, I uh, I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for making this podcast what it is. In the end, you listening is the ultimate form of support. But if you feel like giving a little bit extra, get on whatever app you're listening to. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us why. Put a question or a comment in the in the reviews and we'll read it on the pod. Let's get that rolling. Get in there. It's like a consider it like a, a weekly mailbag, which we need to do soon. We will do soon. We'll do that in the bye week. I love you guys. Thank you. But as always, every episode must come to an end for another for another week. I'll see you guys later this week to uh, to preview the Browns game. Um, but for now, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. And we are signing out. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.